Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, Pastor Andrew did a great job kicking off our August sermon series called Family Plan. If you will, say Family Plan. Now listen to me. You're going to have to get with me today. I need some audience participation. This is going to be a very uncomfortable sermon if you're not participating with me. So I need you with me. Trust me. You want to be active with this. If not, you're going to look guilty. And so just just be with me. So everybody say family plan. Last week, Pastor Andrew told us that many of us know what marriage is, but do we know what it is for? And he gave us some reasons on why God created marriage, obviously for procreation. But he also gave it to us to promote our calling and for companionship. And then he told us that finally we must see God's great plan for marriage, that God created marriage to be a mirror of his love for us. You understand that through marriage, we get the chance, we have the opportunity to display grace, mercy, and forgiveness to our spouse. That's what marriage is created for. So week one was about God's plan for marriage. Next week is going to be about God's plan for children. And so you want to make sure that your middle schoolers and high schoolers are here. Trust me, you don't want to miss that. I'm also going to cover God's plan for adult children in that also. Um, And then the final week of this series is going to be God's plan for your family and the church. And so we, we need to be here for that. But today is God's plan for parents. God's plan for parents. Now, if you're not a parent, you might be thinking that this message is not for you, and you you might even be wishing that you would have stayed home, or you could have slept later, you could have watched Joel Osteen on TV, and probably got more out of it, but I'm here to prove you wrong. This is my Bible. (laughs) For those of you that have never watched Joel Osteen on TV, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's okay, it's okay. I, I want to show you through audience participation that this message is for you. It is. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. After I make a statement, I want you, if it applies, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to leave your hand up, okay? So don't take your hand down. Leave your hand up. So raise your hand if you have children living under your roof. Even if you're a step-parent, you have children living under your roof. Good, good. Okay. Raise your hand if you have children in college. If you have children in college. Now, stop. Now, put your hands down. Put your hands down. I can't believe this happened again. It happened in first service, but they're half asleep. What part of leave your hand up do you not understand? You wonder why. You wonder why your children disobey. You disobey the pastor. And so we're going to start over. I do not want you to put your hands down until the end of this exercise, okay? So you're going to leave your hands up. Everybody nod if you understand, okay? This is very important for this exercise. Everybody, everybody's good, right? All right. So raise your hand if you have children living under your roof. Leaving your hands up. Raise your hands if you have children in college. If you have children that are grown and out on their own, raise your hand, okay? If you hope to be a parent someday, raise your hand. We've almost got everybody. If you know a parent, raise your hand. (laughs) If you just know one, I mean, like, you, you know, your mom and dad had you, you know them, so raise your hand. 
All right, finally, finally, if you know someone that needs to be a better parent, raise your hand. Don't point at them. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. So look around. Look around. Look around. Everybody should be, if they're honest and, and telling the truth right now, they should be raising their hands right now. This affects everyone. I didn't tell, tell you to put your hands down. All right, put your hands down. This is good for you. And, and, and some of you don't have kids, but you have friends that have kids and their kids are brats. And so after this sermon, you're going to know how to, pr- how to pray for them even better, okay? And how to help them be a better parent. So everyone is included in this sermon. I don't want anyone to feel like you are left out. And hopefully, hopefully part of my goal is to help you understand the nature of your heavenly father a little bit more also. I was so thankful last week that Pastor Andrew did include, albeit ever so lightly, that marriage is for procreation. Amen? Amen? Amen. I thought more men would say amen. I mean, how depressing would it be if he would have left out that part of God's plan, right? That is part of God's plan. Having children, it's, it, it's a different animal than just being married. If, if we're just going to be honest, and some of you middle schoolers and high schoolers in the room, um, I don't want you to get your feelings hurt or anything like that, but life was different before you came along. It was. I'm not saying it was more enjoyable, but it was. And um, <laughs> no, life was different. It was. It was. And you've added a different joy to our lives, but life, life was just different. We had, you know, struggles. We had some concerns. Uh, we had our fair share of battles and things we had to go through. Um, but, but when you add kids into the, that mix, um, it, it just kind of intensifies a little bit. Things aren't, aren't easy. You just don't pack up and go anymore. You have to pack up a lot of bags before you can go. Many suitcases. You know, I remember that time that, that Mandy and I could both pack in, in one carry-on, you know. That, but that, that is, who am I kidding? I live with Mandy. Mandy could never pack in one carry-on. <laughs> She's not here today, and I'm sure some of you are texting her right now. Beverly, get off your phone. But um, <laughs> I remember the day that, that Mandy and I brought the twins home from the hospital. Um, I was so nervous. I was. When, when Caleb and Kendall, when it was time to bring them home, uh, and the nurse didn't help because the nurse looked at me and said, we are not going to let you take them home until you have two car seats securely fastened in your car, in the back seat of your car. I went, okay. So when they were bringing Mandy down with flowers and balloons and two babies, um, I went to the parking garage at the Women's Center at North Florida Regional, and I got the car, and I remember pulling out of that parking garage thinking to myself, what have I gotten into? (laughs) This is serious. And I pulled up, and, and we loaded those babies up in their, in their car seats. And we started our trek home from North Florida Regional, driving to our home at the time we were living in Lake City. And I hit I-75 North driving as slow as I possibly could because it hit me. There was a time not long before that that I was only responsible for me. Then we got married. And now I had another human being that I had to care for. And man, did I have to care for her fairly quickly uh, because of the cancer that we had to walk through. And that, that's a whole other story there. But now all of a sudden, there's three people that are depending on me. And two of them can't speak for themselves. At least not yet. 
Kendall started talking and she hasn't stopped. But, but at that moment, these two little human beings could not speak for themselves. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, man, this is, this is, this is going to be tough. This is a lot of responsibility. This is heavy. Maybe you felt that before with, with bringing your children home from the hospital. It just, it just felt like, man, life is never going to be the same again. And, and, and it wasn't, and it isn't, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But there was, there was no owner's manual for those kids. Bless their hearts, it, it was trial and error. And by the grace of God, we got a few things right. Now, can you imagine how frustrating it would be if God told us, be fruitful and multiply and not leave us a plan of action? That would be frustrating. That would be scary for God to say, here's children, but I have no plans for your parenting. God didn't do that to us, church. He gave us a plan. It's a plan that is often ignored by parents, but it's still the best plan because it's divine and it's what God has ordained for us as parents. And, and, and my prayer going into this service today is I wanted it to, to be heavy for you. I want you to walk out of this room today, parents and future parents. I want you to walk out of here feeling the weight of this responsibility that God has put on you. Not to the point to where you, you wish that it wouldn't have happened, but to the point to where you want to be responsible. Children are a gift from God. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. This is a responsibility that we have that God has given them as gifts to us, and we must be good stewards with these gifts. God has a plan, but all too often parents ignore it. Now, I'm not an expert on many things, if any, but I know that being a pastor at times, it requires me to speak on subjects that I don't always feel qualified to speak about. Take, for instance, the subject of women. I am not, have never been, or will never be a woman, praise Jesus. However, there have been times in my ministry that God requires me to speak to women about their lives and becoming godly women. Am I qualified to do so? Absolutely not. Am I called by God to do so? Yes. I have never been rich. I don't plan on being rich. I'm hoping God plans on me being rich. But I've never been rich. But I have had to speak on the subject of money many times in my career. I have had to speak on the subject of money to people that make a whole lot more money than I do. And preach biblical principles to them. Am I qualified? No. Am I called to? Yes. I've never been addicted to drugs, but there have been times that God has called me to speak deliverance into an addict's life. Am I qualified to do so? No. Am I called to do so? Yes. And I can tell you that almost 22 years ago, I was not qualified to preach about parenting at all. I probably thought that I was because, you know, between, you know, about 16 and, and 20 years old, right in there, you know it all. But I, I quickly realized after having kids that I did not know it all. But 22 years later, 22 years experience under my belt, I, I, I want you to know that I do feel qualified this morning to preach what I am, I am, I am preaching to you about. 
I'm not the best parent in the world. And as I said, by the grace of God, I've gotten some things right, gotten many things wrong. But this is one area of my life that I feel like God has blessed me in being a good parent. Raising two wonderful kids that love God and have respect for others. Parents, if you want a goal, reach towards that goal. Help your kids learn to love God and respect others. Jesus, he summed it up like this with these words. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then love others as yourself. Love God. Love others. So parents, I, I want to ask you, ha, have you ever asked yourself, what are your goals for your children? What are your goals for your children? Because you should have goals for your children. I realized when we got out of the car after bringing Caleb and Kendall home from the hospital, I remember I was, I was carrying those two car seats, the handles, and, and this is how we traveled. Anywhere we went, I would carry both of the kids, and Mandy had two diaper bags, and that's how we would travel. And I remember walking up the steps from the driveway into that small little double wide that we lived in uh, on Old Country Club Road in Lake City, and I remember walking up those steps, carrying those kids, and as I'm walking across the threshold, I remember it hitting me, and I I, and, and the thought came to me, I've got to have a plan for their lives because God has a plan for their lives and, and I've got to set goals. I've, I, there's things that they need to obtain. There's, there's knowledge that they need. There, there, there's things that they need to accomplish and it's my goal, it's my job as a parent to help them reach that. And so parents, you must ask yourself, your, yourselves, what are your goals for your children? Because Psalm 127 and verse four said, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Children born... And one's youth to a young man are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Your job is to aim them. You've got to aim them in the direction that they should go. And I see parents aiming their kids in directions they shouldn't go all the time. And it's devastating. It is going to catch up with you later. Trust me. And then I see some parents that have checked out and they're not aiming their kids at anything. And both of these things are devastating to their, their spiritual lives. And, and if you don't hear anything else that I say, understand that your child's spiritual life is more important than their physical life. All day long. You'll never convince me that their spiritual life is not more important because it's for eternity. It, it doesn't stop. We understand that these bodies are going to fail us. There's a day that all of us are appointed to die at some point in time. And before your child gets there, before they stand before a holy God, parents, you've got to make sure that you've done everything that you possibly could to aim that arrow towards God in the direction that he has for their lives. I'm passionate about music and basketball. I love music and I love basketball. Every day of my life for decades, it has involved music and basketball. You walk into my office, there's often music playing. 
There's always music playing in my car. I love music. I love playing music. And I love basketball. And there was a time early in our marriage, I played basketball every evening. Me and a group of guys would play every evening. Before we were married in the early days of our marriage, Mandy put a stop to that, didn't she? But we played basketball all the time. Now I read about basketball every day. I read articles about basketball every day. I love music. I love basketball. And as most of you know, I've been blessed as a parent to be able to connect with my, my children on two different platforms. I've been able to connect with my daughter through music, through playing music and being a musician. And, and nothing blesses me more than to see Kendall using that for the glory of God. I was able to connect with my son through sports. He started off at a young age, four years old. He was playing very competitive soccer in Tampa at four years old. I was so thankful at the end of eighth grade that he was burnt out on soccer and never wanted to play again. Because I still don't know and understand soccer at all. What other sport are you penalized for being faster than everybody else? It just doesn't make sense, okay? But, but then I coached him in rec league and, and I coached him in high school. I've been blessed to, be, to connect with my, my, my children in those areas. But I realized as a young parent that sports and music will not create spiritual success in my children. This is going to become very convicting, and I, I need you just to have thick skin this morning and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Because parents, it's not easy parenting. As much as I wanted my children to excel academically, education does not gain them eternal life, and I had to realize that. Church, understand that as a parent, it is our job to get them into heaven, not Harvard. It is our job to make them a believer, not a better baseball player. And it's our job to make them victorious in Christ, not volleyball. Now, I have no problem at all with you pushing your kids to excel in academics, sports, and, or extracurricular activities. Not at all. And if you know me, you know I've pushed my kids to excel in some of those areas. What I am saying to you today is that there should be an emphasis over everything else on their relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're not overemphasizing that relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are missing the mark. And sometimes we elevate sports or academics or extracurricular activities. We elevate them to a place to where they become gods in our family's eyes. And we have to be careful, church. We must be careful that we prioritize and, and we help our children understand starting at a young age, and it's never too late. I don't care if they're living under your roof right now. Listen to me. I don't even care if they're over the age of 18. I've told my kids many times, you've heard me say it, age means absolutely nothing. As long as you're depending on me for a roof, uh, for, for food, for shelter, for uh, insurance for your car, whatever it is, if you're depending on me then it's my way or the highway Amen. oh okay so I, I touched a nerve I, I see where we're at it's good it's taking the temperature of the room right now some of you um, parents you're gonna have to develop a backbone if you're gonna move any farther with this sermon we'll have three people here next week <laughs> but it's okay it's okay I'm passionate about this because I see parents messing it up 
You've got to prioritize and, and overemphasize a relationship with Christ because the world is overemphasizing how much they don't need Christ. Your kids don't need a back-to-school blessing as much as they need a back-to-church consistency. It's sad to me that some of your children see church as something that the family does when you don't have other plans. That this is a second option, or third, or fourth, or fifth. I've heard it said if you keep treating church as optional, your children will one day see Jesus as optional. And the enemy is trying to indoctrinate them with that message. If he cannot get them to declare that Jesus doesn't exist, if he cannot get them to declare that there is no God, then he will be satisfied with a worldview that says all roads lead to heaven. That Christianity is one avenue. Don't forget what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There is no other avenues that lead to heaven. And the only way that your children will be ready to stand before a holy God is if you aim those arrows in the right direction. Today is one of those days that it feels like I'm standing on my soapbox and I get to tell it like it is. I don't always preach like this but I do sometimes. God has plans for you as a parent. I said, God has plans for you as a parent. And your child's view of God is cultivated through your relationship with God. They are learning so much by the emphasis or the non-emphasis that you put on your relationship with God. And I'm not saying that the only way that we feel God's love is through our parents, but it's certainly one of the ways that we feel God's love and probably one of the most important ways that we feel God's love is through our parents. But there are people, there's people in this room. I look around right now and I see people in this room that they did not have a godly example in their homes growing up. Their parents were not godly examples, but by God's grace, they still grew in their love and their understanding of him. But they are the exceptions why parents listen to me why take the chance of your child not being ready to face eternity it is our job to do everything within our ability everything within our power to get them ready for that according to the barner research group only six percent of adult christians made their decision to follow Christ after the age of 18. Only 6% of adult Christians made that decision after the age of 18. That means that 94% of adult Christians made the decision to follow Jesus as minors. And you don't think it's important to have your children in church? I've been thinking about, about this sermon for a while, and, and it, it came to me this past week that, that most animals move out of the nest within weeks or, or maybe just a few months after they're born. So there's a lot of training that takes place immediately and then they kick them out of the nest. They're gone. God gives us, on average, 18 years to train our children, give or take a few. And if your child is 24 years old and still living at home, then set up a counseling appointment. We'll talk about it. But on average, 18 years to train our children 
And the example that we set is what they learn by. Our relationship with Christ is, is all they have to go on sometimes. And if God's plan for marriage is to display his love, then, then this is simple. God's plan for parenting is to train children. Don't miss this. Marriage is to display God's love. God's plan for, par- for parenting is training children. I'm going to give you this side note at no charge. It doesn't have anything to do with, with what I'm talking about. It's just going to make your life easier. But um, you're not meant to be your spouse's mother or father. God hasn't called you to train them. And if you're stuck in a marriage where you are treated like a child or you have to treat your spouse like a child, then you and your spouse, both of you, probably have some maturing to do. And I suggest that you go see a Christian counselor as soon as possible. I'm not, I'm not telling you to get divorced. I'm saying you've got problems. If, if, you treat one of your, 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 if you treat your spouse like a child or they, they have to treat you like a, spouse, uh, like a child, then you and your spouse need to go into Christian counseling. No extra charge. not going to take up an extra offering for that. But I felt like it was important to say marriage is about reflecting God's love. That's what it's about. You get what you married. It's about reflecting God's love, exemplifying grace, mercy, understanding. Parenting. Is about training your child. You've got them for about 22% of their life. And during that time, God has called you as parents to train them. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train them up in the way they should go. And the promise is that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Another word for train throughout the Bible is the word discipline. It's not near as fun. We, we would much prefer train. Because discipline carries with it just this, this, this almost negative connotation, but it's all in the way that you take it. Discipline is necessary. Proverbs 29 and 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Understand, church, I'm not suggesting a certain parenting style over another. I do love, however, however, that Proverbs 29 and 15 offers both parenting styles. The rod, corporal punishment, and and also reproof, which is positive reinforcement. I'm not asking you to change your parenting style. Here's what I am saying. Your child needs discipline. Your child needs discipline. My children need discipline. And you've got to know what works with your child. As for me and my house, we had both. We didn't beat our kids every day whether they needed it or not, but we did spank them on occasions when it was warranted. We did. I'm telling you right now, we did. I'm I'm glad we did. Society is changing right now, and I'm not sure I would survive in the society um, that we have right now if I had younger kids, but but we did. We did believe in spanking our children when necessary, and we had this... this, uh, this, this theory that if we spanked them enough when they were younger, we wouldn't have to spank them when they were older, and, and it worked. Um, but just a couple of years ago, Mandy got frustrated with Kendall, and she had, I think, like a little wooden spatula in her hand, and, and Kendall said something, and Mandy reached back and popped her on the butt. They both looked at each other, gave each other a look, and both busted out laughing, and that's about how spanking has worked the last few years for us. At other times, though, we felt like we, we, we needed to just talk with them about their poor choices. 
positive reinforcement and helping them make better decisions. And, and I'm not here to change your mind on that. Proverbs 29 and 17 says, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. You see, discipline will eventually bring rest to your home. It will be a delight and not a chore to be a parent. I can tell you this. It was not a chore raising Caleb and Kendall. Proverbs 13 and 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Strong words from God's word. But if you don't discipline your children, the Bible says that you don't love them. That if you don't bring correction to your children, you don't love them. I've got some homework for you. I'm not done yet, so don't think that you're about to get out of here. But I've got some homework for you that, that I want you to do this week, if, if you would be so brave. And it, it will take a lot of courage to do this. But if you're a parent, I dare you to ask one of your close friends, how am I doing in parenting? Are, are my kids behaved? Now, if you're going to do that, you better have leather skin. Don't let it end a friendship. I had someone come to me in between services and said, would it be rude if I like sent the link to this podcast to someone? And I went, it depends on if you still want to be friends with them or not. Listen to me. Sometimes just an evaluation outside of our home is good for us. Some of you, you, you think that you're disciplining your children. And you have no idea how wild and crazy they are. You send them to a, the McKinley house for a week. I'll get them straightened out for you. It's going to cost you, though, but you don't have enough money. I don't want your kids. Ephesians 6 and 4. Ephesians 6 and 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is so important. Because if you're going to bring correction, listen, rules without relationship will always equal rebellion. You must make sure that you are explaining what went wrong, what they did that was wrong. The goal is not to make them angry. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger or to wrath. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The goal is not to make them angry. The goal is to help them feel sorrowful, help them to feel remorse. Help them to be sorry for what they have done. So why is discipline so important? Why, why would God have us display discipline in our homes? Why is this necessary and, and, and even biblical for us to, to accomplish? Why would God put this burden on us? And it's to help your children understand a God who judges sin. You have to understand that we serve a holy and righteous God. God cannot and God will not ignore sin. It must be dealt with. And you, as a parent, you have the responsibility of preparing your children for that. You've got to teach them how to allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct their lives. You've got to teach them how to fill the Holy Spirit bringing conviction upon their lives. You've got to prepare them to stand before a righteous God. That is your job. Nobody else can do this for you. Prepare your children for that. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read verses 5 through 11. And it says, Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? 
He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Do you hear that? For the ones that God loves, he brings discipline to their lives and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Listen to verse 8. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Listen, if you don't feel God's hand of, uh, of correction on your life, if you don't feel a conviction settle upon your heart, if you don't feel God's discipline, you might not be a child of God. I don't care what age you are. God will discipline those that he loves. Verse 9 says, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forevermore? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. That's what discipline does. It brings us into the holiness of God. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Now listen, for some of you parents that you're going to get convicted today, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to look at your children and they're like eight months old and you're like, it's my way or the highway from here on out. It's perfect timing, perfect timing. But for some of you that have older kids and you're going to put some standards in place and you're going to say, listen, it's my job to discipline you. It's my job to bring you under correction. This is what God's called me to do. I can promise you it is not going to be enjoyable at the moment. Verse 11 again, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. It's about to get painful in your home for a season. But listen to this. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. If you want peace in your home, if you want that harvest of peace, then you must plant the seeds of discipline. Discipline is necessary in order for you to experience that peace in your home. And the enemy would convince you that you should try and be your child's best friend. And some of you, you've gotten really good at being their best friend, but God hasn't called you to be their best friend. If you stop trying to be their friend when they're younger, you'll get to be their friend when they're older. If you want your children to have a peaceful harvest in their adult life, then you teach them about the Lord's discipline now. And you watch what kind of adults they turn into. These are seeds that are planted before the harvest. This is a kingdom principle that will not change. Whatever you plant, you will reap the harvest of that. And, and, and I'm almost done. I'm, I'm about to finish, but I, I have to say this. I think this is so important, and, and my soapbox is very sturdy, so I'm just going to go ahead and just stay on it for a moment. Stop teaching your child to question everyone in authority. I thought all the teachers in the room would say amen right there. Stop teaching your child to question everyone in authority. Don't always jump to the conclusion that your child is right and the authority figure is wrong. Do you remember you as a child? You remember how often you were wrong, but you tried to convince everybody you were right? I remember when I was growing up, if I got in trouble at school, my mom said, you probably deserved it. What did you do? Today, your little Johnny comes home, 
Mom, I got in trouble today, and it's like, oh, poor thing, you don't deserve to be treated like that. I'm not telling you to always make your child the bad guy in this whole thing, but, but stop making your child the victim in everything also because they're going to grow up with a victim mentality, and they're going to expect everyone to hand life to them on a silver platter, and that's not real life. When I was in school, we endured the strict teacher for the whole year. I had to learn to live with it because there was no option of transferring out of a class. For me, her name was Eulene Wheeler. She taught me in 11th grade and 12th grade to my dismay. Man, I couldn't stand this woman. I borderline hated her in the moment. But looking back on it now, and, and her daughters know this, she's deceased now. But looking back on it, she was the best teacher I ever had. Thank God my parents didn't move me out of that class like so many of you move your kids. Ooh, that's tough, isn't it? Don't be so quick to let your child change classes. Don't be so quick to let your child change schools. And don't be so quick to let your child change churches. I've done gone and done it. And with the English teachers in the room, I know it's not proper English, but I've done gone and done it. Stop letting your children set the spiritual tone for your home. First of all, and I don't mean to offend any middle school and high school students in here, I don't, but your kids are dumb. <laughs> They're not ready to make those kind of decisions. They should never be put in a position to set the spiritual tone for your home. They think that they are. But, but don't put them in that position. Don't give them that authority. Mom, dad, that is your authority. You set the spiritual tone for your home. It's not their calling. It is your calling. And how many times have I watched good Christian parents allow their teenager to change churches midstream because of a girlfriend, a boyfriend, or simply a group of friends? L listen to me. If, if your child, man, I just spent half of a week up in Tennessee with some of our AXA students and all of them were not there and, and, but I know them and, and I've seen them, I've seen the, the fruit of their lives. If your child can't come to AXA's and find a group of students to hang out with and, and become friends with, then you need to question what kind of students your child is wanting to become friends with. My school relationships are not the ones that have guided me through the years. When my wife had cancer, I didn't run to anybody in my school. I confided in the people that I went to church with. When I got married, the people that were on my stage, they were the ones that I went to church with. When I had problems in my life and the problems I continue to have in my life, it is my spiritual family that I run to for guidance. And maybe that's where some of you have gone wrong. You need to surround yourself with, with spiritual guidance. And, 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 and listen, I'm not telling you not to have any friends from high school. Thank God for Facebook because I, I have been reacquainted with some of them. But I can tell you, I see their posts. I'm not running to them for guidance. There's something about God's people being together in his house. This is where the church family grows together. This is where we become accountable to one another. Why would you let your student dictate where they're going to be accountable to and even under a different roof than mom and dad? That's ludicrous. It would never, never work. It drives me insane to see parents that made church a strong priority when their kids were younger 
But now they've put church on the back burner when their kids are in high school at the moment when they need it the most. Get your kids back in church. And finally, don't expect godless institutions to teach your children about God. The school, the public school system did not sign up to teach your child about God. And, and I know, I know. Well, we used to have the Ten Commandments in our classrooms. Some of you might be old enough to remember that. I don't remember ever. I graduated in 1992. I don't remember ever seeing Ten Commandments in my, any of the classrooms I was in. And honestly, even if they were hanging up, I don't think it would have made a difference for me. I know me. I know how many, not those commandments, but some of those commandments that I broke. I never killed anybody, I promise you, but I certainly did lie. We've got to stop expecting godless institutions to teach our children about God. That's your job, parents. In the same sense, if your child attends a Christian school, don't expect that school to replace a godly influence. It's just added support is all it is. It's icing on the cake. Don't cheat your child out of what only you can offer them. You are the spiritual authority in their lives. It's time to start acting like it, parents. Okay, I'm done getting on to you. In mid-April 1846, there was a group of families that gathered at Springfield, Springfield, Illinois, and they all had a common goal. They wanted to relocate. They wanted to find a better life beyond the Rockies. Their goal was to live in a better climate in California. And although their journey was tedious, for the most part, it was uneventful until reaching the small trading post at Fort Bridger in modern-day Wyoming in mid-July. It was here that a fateful decision was made. You see, before leaving Illinois, there was one gentleman that heard of a, a newly discovered route through the Sierra Nevada mountains that promised to cut off as many as 300 miles. If they take this shortcut, it will be 300 miles shorter than their original journey was planned. It was here that some 87 members of the wagon train decided to separate from the main body and, and travel to the west of this new route. All of those who traveled through the old route, the, the original plan, they all made it to California safe and sound. Unfortunately, we can't say that for those that tried to take the shortcut. You see, the Sierra snows had started falling a month earlier than usual. And the pioneers found themselves trapped and they could not move forward, they could not move back. When supplies ran out, they were facing starvation and there was no remedy at hand and so they resorted to cannibalism. When certain family members would die off, they had plenty of snow, let's keep them frozen and we will eat them to try and stay alive. When rescue teams finally made it to them, they found corpses all around. Mom, dad, shortcuts will never lead your children to the cross of Christ. Don't take a shortcut on parenting. Your children need you present. Your children need you as spiritual authority in their life. Don't expect anyone else to do it. Don't expect me to do it. Don't expect our youth pastor to do it. Don't expect our children's director to do it. You are the spiritual authority that God has placed in their life. 
It is your job, no shortcuts. Because if you decide to take a shortcut, your children will be devoured. Prepare your kids to stand before a holy God. That's your job. If they learn how to hit a baseball along the way, so be it. If they learn to spike a volleyball, let it happen. If they learn a few extra chords on the guitar, yeah. But never let these things become priority and gods in their lives. This matters. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.